0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Latter Day Takes. On today's episode, I bring back my friend Sean Bingham, who, if you remember right, was actually on the podcast last June, so almost a year ago exactly, um, coming on to talk about kind of his experiences in Utah, being single and dating, things like that. I titled that uh, Chat with Utah's Most Eligible Bachelor, Sean Bingham. And he and I just kind of had a discussion about kind of like the nuances of Utah culture, dating, things like that. It was just kind of more fun shooting the breeze. That's why I like bringing Sean on. It's a pretty low key. But he also has some interesting stuff going on in his life, to say the least. Um, Not only does he have his own podcast, Simply the Best Sports Take, um, but he also has a very entrepreneurial mindset and has really had a lot of success in that arena. And we actually go over that today, kind of talk about his experiences he developed an app that we referenced actually uh, last year. He was—he's been in the this has been in the works for a while, and it's actually launching next week. Um, and we talk a little bit about his app Tripio and what it is—is is kind of a one-stop shop for going on vacation. Kind of gives you all kind of the ins and outs of what to do, and it also gives you certain levels. Like if you're this type of person that goes on vacation, if you like to just kind of chill and relax more, it'll tell you like, hey, like these are fun places to go and just chill and relax. Or if you're kind of more adventure-minded. You can kind of put in your preferences and it'll tell you like, oh, like this is a really popular hike around there. Or maybe this is a lesser known hike, but a lot of people rate it very highly in terms of like how fun it can be, things like that. Or you could do kind of a hybrid of the two. It's a very, very intuitive uh, minded app. Like it's just kind of hits you kind of the customization. It's really, really nice that way exciting that that'll be coming out but before he did the tripio app he did a lot of other things he started a sunglasses company with his brother he started an adventure hunt company that actually got asked to go on to shark tank and he talks about that experience um so just kind of talking about anything and everything with sean so i hope y'all enjoy it uh before we get to that episode though i'll kind of give kind of the news recap kind of that new format that i've been talking about we are back to the normal format i just had to change it up a little bit last week to kind of have it blend a little bit together more smoothly but I do want to go back to what we had which is kind of like the news segment recap of the week then the guest should there be a guest and then I'll end it with kind of some gospel insights some talks things like that just kind of sharing my thoughts you know I mean it is called latter-day takes after all so I can't help myself anyway hope you all enjoy it hope you all are having a great week and that you have a great rest of the week enjoy this episode and I will see y'all on the other side
1: Mormons are really nice people. Totally nice. They are the best cult. Have you ever, under the influence of alcohol, questioned the teachings of the Mormon church? Well, these Mormons are so nice. Everybody's so nice. (laughs) Everybody's so nice in Utah. They're all Mormon, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they're not drinking. And they're like, not cussing. They're like, Slovis, you stink. (laughs) I'm afraid it was the Mormons. Yes, Yes, the Mormons Mormons were were the correct answer. Because God
0: loves Mormons and he wants some more. Shout out to the Latter day Saints all right news items of the week so what are people talking about what have we missed over the last week i guess elon musk may not buy twitter now what has happened is that he has kind of exposed the platform for not really being careful about the bots that are on that website so basically fake accounts that are being managed by i mean i don't even know if they're being managed they just exist and they're meant to kind of basically inflate what twitter is about it's kind of hard to explain but ultimately it's just if they're not real accounts then then twitter doesn't can't really say that they have these many users right because apparently they may not actually know that number and so what elon has been doing is he's kind of been pointing out that that kind of that catch-22 that's going on is that twitter has this report that they have to give to their shareholders that shows like this is how relevant we are this is how many people use our platform but if they haven't been able to really distinguish between who is real and who is fake because I'm sure you can understand that it wouldn't be really maybe totally possible to nix every fake account or every bot that exists however they apparently haven't doing been doing their due diligence and they may have been inflating those numbers and if that's the case there might be some there might be some hearings coming down the line like some some uh, lawsuits if you will not necessarily from elon's part he may not buy twitter but twitter may have a comeuppance and have to explain themselves when it comes to what they were reporting versus what was actual reality and where they were doing their due diligence and where they were not so it'll be interesting i still kind of think it's funny that like elon even wants to buy twitter i i kind of get it in terms of it being an outlet of like true free speech with that said they're still a private company so they don't really necessarily have to abide by free speech laws necessarily um anyway Uh, One other thing worth noting, Trump endorsed candidates are killing it. And that is interesting, because it totally brings context to whether or not Trump will actually run in 2024. And I actually did not plan on going into this episode asking Sean about this, but I ended up asking him because he had posted on his Instagram back in 2020. And he was very, very outspoken, not outspoken in kind of a verbose way, but just kind of more he was open. He said, uh, I'm voting for Trump and here's the reasons why. And I respect that. I think that was really cool to see that he's just like, Hey, like, this is who I am. Like if you don't like it, I'm sorry, but whatever, this is what I believe. And so he's very open about that and not shy to share his opinion. So we kind of get into that at the end of this episode, but I think it's really worth pointing out that like Trump at one point was like 22 for 22 on the candidates he endorsed in primaries and Republican primaries around the country. And so this isn 't to say that they're beating Democrats necessarily, but they 're beating other Republican contenders in their respective areas, and that does signify something that trump 's popularity is still very, very much a thing in certain pockets at least now his number's not a hundred percent anymore I believe he's in like he might be like i don't know thirty six for thirty eight or something like that i don 't know the actual number, but what I do know is that his endorsements are going a long way to the point where even in Ohio, J.D. Vance, if you happen to know that name, he's the author of Hillbilly Elegy. He ran for senator in Ohio in the primary, Republican primary, was not looking like he was going to win up until the last couple weeks when Trump stepped in, endorsed him, and boom, all of a sudden he won. He was not only looking like he wasn't going to win, he was like in third place polling. And somewhat of a distant third, if I'm not mistaken. He was behind two other candidates. It was kind of between neck and neck between these two candidates. A distant third, J.D. Vance gets the Trump endorsement, and then boom, wins the primary. And subsequently, probably the Senate, because Ohio is a pretty red state still, from what I understand. Anyway, something to look out for. That means Trump might run again in 2024, which would be not unprecedented but very rare these days especially and especially with how old he is and then also of note in the nba world which is something sean and i get into because he's been talking a lot about that in his own podcast the phoenix suns had the most epic game seven collapse of all time which is crazy um at one point they were down by like 50 points and this was a game seven this is a like a decider, right? It means whoever loses goes home. And it's like the Suns didn't even show up. Uh, The the Mavericks played out of their minds, so it didn't help the situation, but it's interesting. It's it's definitely newsworthy in the sports world, so I felt like I needed to mention that. Now, one other thing that I want to talk about, but I'm actually going to talk about this more, I'm, I'm going to get into the kind of my thoughts on the other side. So I'm actually going to save this as part of kind of my insights gospel talk stuff that i'll do at the very very last segment after i speak with sean but i did want to mention there was a shooting in buffalo new york upstate new york very very tragic and from what it looks like it was a white supremacist he had a manifesto very very racist language in his manifesto specifically targeting black people and that he was going after them specifically very ugly terrible stuff Like, this is a scum-of-the-earth type human being. There's no question about that. But what I think is worth mentioning... Now, I mean, I guess to, to say a little bit more about that, it's terrible. I mean, it's honestly terrible, and it sucks that it still exists. I think, personally, a lot of racism is an offshoot of people that are just hateful in general, and they're looking for excuses to be hateful, whatever that may bring them. And sometimes it's in the form of racism. Sometimes it's in the form of sexism or ageism, or whatever type of ism you can find, a lot of times it's just miserable people looking for whatever convenient or most convenient way there is for them to act out in that moment. So maybe he was born racist, maybe not, but it was obviously something that he was, and it's terrible. And I will say that prayers go out, and my thoughts and my heart goes out to all those affected in the Buffalo area, and not in the Buffalo area, just anybody that was affected by this, And that's what I wanted to talk about, and I'll leave that for the other side, is that one thing that you start to see kind of in situations like these, and I think it's growing, I remember first seeing it when I lived in Texas, is that when you put out that idea, thoughts and prayers for those affected by whatever tragedy, you start to see some pushback. There are people out there, and people I knew personally, in some scenarios, that would say, will you stop it with your thoughts and prayers? Your thoughts and prayers aren't working. So stop. It's pathetic. And they're Ultimately, their point is, is why don't we actually do something that may prevent this in the future or try and enact any type of change, which I understand their gripe, but the commentary that I'm wanting to speak to is the fact that they're so quick to say stop praying and stop, you know, sending your condolences, so to speak, which is like, why? Because that's not hurting anybody either. And it, it makes me question kind of the whole idea of what's, what's the genesis of that mentality? It's one thing to say, hey, why don't we try and do something? Why don't we try and take action and try and enact change on top of thoughts and prayers? Or maybe you don't even feel like mentioning or acknowledging that thoughts and prayers are a thing, but it's a whole other thing to go after those saying thoughts and prayers. And I find that very fascinating. And I think there's a foundation of that mentality that could be Worth addressing, and that's what I plan on doing on the other side of this podcast. We're going to get into talking with Sean, all sorts of topics. the The Shark Tank segment is pretty entertaining. Sean's an entertaining guy; he's fun to talk to. I hope you all enjoy it. I'll I'll find you on the other side, but uh, enjoy the rest of the episode. Joining me today is the host of Simply the Best Sports Take, the creator of the Tripio app. A Shark Tank winner, maybe survivor, I don't know. Is that how they call it? Closer. Andy's closer, that's it. A Shark Tank closer, my bad. Yeah. Uh, just a jack of all trades. One of the best vacation buddies I've ever had, by far. Sean Bingham, thank, thank you for you. joining thank me you. today, man. How you doing?
1: Uh, thank you for having me. I'm doing fantastic. It's an honor, as always, to be on the podcast here with you. Far
0: too kind, my friend. Far too <laughs> kind. Um, how's the podcast going, man?
1: Good. I try and do it. I got to do one right after this. Actually, I try and do them every Monday, but I was in Cancun yesterday. I just didn't didn't do it. So I'll do it today. But yeah, I'm trying to do them every Monday. Trippio is like my, obviously my, my 95% focus, but I try and dedicate a little bit of time every Monday to my sports podcast.
0: Are you only releasing one a week? I thought you were doing more than that.
1: No, no, I was for a while, but it's been, it's been a while now that I've just been doing one a week. It's been, you know, probably seven or eight months. I've just been doing one a week.
0: Okay. I, I yeah. swear I got like a double, at least one of those weeks. One time. Yeah. Hey,
1: sometimes if there's like, especially on a weekend, if there's something big that happened, I might be like, you know yeah. what? I'm going to do one on Saturday. So I'm trying to debate when to do them. Cause Trippio, which I'm sure we'll get into, um, booyah advertisements. Right. Um, but, uh, it's, it's just so much more important to me. And it's so, I'm so busy with it that I got to like be smart with how much I dedicate to a hobby. You know, Which I would admittedly love to have my podcast grow into something that, uh, was more than just a hobby. I have no shame in admitting that. But yeah. right now, um, I gotta stay focused on on work. You know, for sure. No, I get that. How was Cancun? It was good. I was down there actually for work. My job is very fun. So we do a lot of corporate retreats. I don't know if you and I have talked about that much, but companies will hire me to t- basically take them on their like incentive trips, their presidents' club trips, uh, their executive retreats, things like that. And so there's a company that that hired me to take them in February. It's a hundred people. And so you got to be way out in front with the bookings. And so with that many people and that much money, I like to do official site visits, make sure I'm giving these guys the best possible experience. And so very fun trip, but it is work. I go down there, I tour different facilities and, um, you know, make sure that, uh, the resort that I'm about to spend tens of thousands of dollars with is, uh, is the one that's the right one.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Which one are you thinking of, by the way? Which resort down there?
1: Um, there's a handful that I'm still debating. I'm going to go over it with them. But there's a new one called the Royal Uno that's that's uh, not yet even opened uh, that I'm looking at. Uh, it looks pretty cool. So we'll see. I got I to gotta run it by all of them. they are also looking at some in Puerto Vallarta. I've got a list of like 12. So it's, yeah.
0: Gotcha. We'll I served my mission down there. So I'm definitely familiar with the area. Oh, you did? I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. I was actually just back there with a buddy a little over a year ago too. We did we, we we just got a car and just like went through the whole peninsula because I mean, yeah. not the whole peninsula, but definitely that coast, like all the way down to Tulum. Mm-hmm. And then from Tulum, we went kind of inland back to uh, a little town called Valladolid, which yeah. is close to Chichen Itza. Yeah. I served in Valladolid for a little bit. I was in Playa del Carmen for six months. It was a it was a sweet spot.
1: That's cool. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah I love it over
0: there. It's great. Awesome uh let's get an nba playoff update because i never give those on my podcast and i kind of want to i kind of want to address a couple things because it's interesting and you're like obviously on the forefront of that that's probably your number one yeah that you like following nba and
1: nfl or it's like a toss-up i love them both a lot um nba and nfl so dude these have been phenomenal playoffs like so entertaining the the game sevens were a letdown you know two blowouts back to back on primetime sunday you know that was like kind of a bummer but uh, but other than that, I mean, at least we got to Game 7, right? So, yeah, I'm I'm very interested to see what's going to happen. Uh, I think that if Middleton had been able to come back and been healthy for Milwaukee, I think you'd probably see Milwaukee have advanced in six games, uh, you know, uh, over the Celtics. But mm-hmm. that didn't happen. So it's funny how each year it really does come down to – they always say the best ability in sports is availability. And it really does yeah. come down to that in the playoffs. Like, who's the healthiest? I mean, you look so, at that over and over, like the Raptors have a championship because they were healthy and the Warriors weren't. That's the only reason. <laughs> like if Kevin yeah. Durant doesn't get hurt, if Clay Thompson doesn't get hurt, there's no chance the Raptors win that championship. So the Bucks, you know, that was their turn last year to be available this year. Not the case. So I'm excited to see Steph and Clay back. Um, very surprised at how awful the Suns looked, like shocked at how awful the Suns looked. Um which bums I, me out. I, I
0: like. I'm not a huge Suns fan, but I'm a big Monty Williams fan. Yeah, and this has got to be somewhat of an indictment on him, and he even owned up to it. So I'm, yeah,
1: I don't. I, I I don't disagree entirely, but like at the same time, like these are grown men on a basketball court. Like they're the ones getting their butts kicked by six. They were down by 54 points at one point. Like that's not on Monty Williams. That's on the guys on the court. Like just yeah. choking under the pressure, having no heart. I don't know what it is, but like to play it like. of your ability in the biggest game of your life is that's, that's on you in my opinion. So I don't know, but I think both these series are going to be great on Twitter. I made an early prediction. I'll probably like revisit and research that out, you know uh, this morning after this, before I uh, go on my podcast. But right now my early predictions are both series. I think will go seven games. The heat are like by far the deepest team. And if uh, right now, speaking of availability, Kyle Lowry, who's a little bit older, but he's a key part of their team. He's currently hurt going to miss game one. So we'll see how that affects the heat, but the heat are by far the deepest and they have home court advantage um, for the rest of the playoffs now. And so, because the only two teams that finished ahead of them in the NBA were the Suns and the Grizzlies and they're both out. So the heat now uh, to me would be the favorites. I think they're the deepest. I do think Kyle Lowry will come back. I think they have that championship mentality just in the organization and Lowry is a champion. And so if he can come back and help them, you know, even just if he doesn't come back, if he's there as like kind of a coach. So to me, I think they're going to win that series against the Celtics in seven games. And I'm really excited for the Mavericks and the Warriors because Luka is playing out of his mind. Steph is actually having his worst postseason of his entire career. But I really like Steph. I would like to see him snap out of it. I'd like to see Clay kind of continue the resurgence we saw out of him in game six of this last series. And I think that one will go seven games as well. And I'm currently taking uh, the Warriors in seven games. In that one,
0: yeah. So you had a poll out on your Twitter. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure it was scientific. I mean, you got 19 votes. So yeah, 19. Like
1: <laughs> my Twitter is not uh, Twitter is not my strong suit. I don't know what I'm doing oh, wrong, no. but dude, it's
0: dude. It's funny how <laughs> Twitter works. I think the algorithm can just like make or break people and. Um honestly, you are a good follow though. I'm hey, not kidding. You. And thank I you. love it more than anything. I love it when you troll uh Nick wrong. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm starting to agree with him here and there though. That's the
0: thing. I was actually gonna call you out on that. I, I know hate Nick Wright. I do I too, but like
1: he's he. And- lately he's had some takes where I'm like, dang, I actually totally think that way too.
0: <laughs> yeah. And like you're admitting it on Twitter and I'm like, gosh, Sean.
1: Somebody so there's a friend of mine, Mike McConkey, who he interacts with me quite a bit on I Twitter. I know Mike really well, actually. Okay. Yeah. So we were going back and forth on something. I can't even remember what it was, but I used a Nick Wright clip to back up my point. <laughs> and he goes, this should make you very worried. And I was like, it does. <laughs> That's actually a great
0: response. Yeah. Um, so you you put out, you're like, who's going to win the NBA finals? Heat, Celtics, Warriors, Mavericks. I actually had a really hard time choosing. Yeah. I was like, legit, like, who is it going to be? I was like, I think everyone's kind of hot on the Celtics right yeah, now. Everyone's hot like, on the Celtics. I kind of felt like, and I didn't see the results before I chose. And so I'm sitting there thinking, I actually picked the Warriors, believe it or not, Mm -hmm. only because of like the seniority and like they've been there before. Steve Kerr is a great coach. And I was just kind of like, I feel like they could catch fire. Now, like you said, they've been pretty streaky. Like they have Mm -hmm. not looked really cohesive as a team. And the Mavericks are catching fire at the right time. They're all playing, honestly, they're playing great as a team, besides the fact that Luca's just dropping like whatever he wants. I just that. he has support.
1: The, he does have support, but I, I do think that eventually to win an NBA championship, I feel like you've got to have more support than he does.
0: I think you might be right.
1: I just don't, I, to me, it's going to turn into like the LeBron versus the Warriors when Kevin Love and Kyrie got hurt, where it's like he took him to six games with Matthew Della Vadova as like his number two guy. Right. But in the end, like, more firepower, more experience is gonna beat you at these higher levels now now you're at like now it gets really real, like it's the conference finals, so we'll see Luca is the truth that guy is he's a top five player for sure in the league. You could maybe argue he's top three, but i I just feel like he needs more than Jalen Brunson and Spencer Dinwiddie to win a championship. That's just me. you know
0: what's funny is that we were actually together. I feel like in one of the moments that kind of when we all started taking Luca. Like I mean, we all thought he could become this. We had witnessed it in a like some pizza re, pizza restaurant, some pizza place. Yeah, in
1: Iowa. that's right. That? That's right. We
0: saw him hit the game winner in the yep. bubble. Yep. And it was like a situation where it's like everybody knew it was going to Luca. Luca knew he was taking yep. it. His defender knew he was taking it. Yep. He's gonna pull up and boom! That was really pulls fun. Up and just nails it right at the or like it was either right at the buzzer or like just point whatever seconds before and yeah. but.
1: Yeah. You know, what's funny, cool. just side note, tangent, 2020 was like kind of a, you know, a mess of a year. I was going to say different words, but, you know, cause COVID and everything, but like I look back and I'm like, that was so much fun because yeah. nothing was expected of anybody. <laughs> 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 and so, and so we're like, we're in Hawaii for a couple of weeks. We're in Idaho. Like, it just felt like I was nonstop on trips with people.
0: That's actually true. Nothing. And that's so funny that you pointed out my (laughs) concerns. Just like the lack of expectation is what just made it so like. Oh, it's 100%. Yeah. No one had anxiety.
1: No. Work was like no one was stressing about work because it was like you can't come to the office. You can't do this. work. And like, I don't know how our economy survived. I mean, I know they poured a bunch of money in that. Maybe we're still going to look. I mean, that's inflation now and there's all sorts of other issues. But like. I don't I feel like work production had to have dropped by sixty percent during that time. Had to have. Had to have. Yeah. Anyway, so a lot of our memories that we talk about are during 2020. I'm like, man, that was so fun. Oh yeah. It's because I didn't have to do Oh, anything. yeah, yeah. It's because I had nothing <laughs>
0: hanging over my head at all. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, yeah. I gotta bring up one other thing. I was going through some of your replies on Twitter, and there's this guy making a point where he's like, How is it that Tom Brady already has this huge uh, broadcasting contract? And he was comparing him to Jalen Rose. Yeah. <laughs> Your response to I had to point out was it just made me crack up alone as I'm reading it. It was it, you you compared Jalen Rose and Tom Brady's contracts to like versus Justin Bieber or of Justin Bieber concert or a parachute concert. <laughs> Dude, I I hadn't even thought about parachuting forever, and it's like I
1: don't know how they came to mind, but they just yeah, they, that was
0: so funny, dude. The parachute comparison had me cracking up. Well, and the dude. point
1: was, parachutes a good man. They're talented. I actually was gonna say, like yeah. I like
0: parachute. I did like, like they're totally talented,
1: and that was kind of the point. Like they're talented, but it doesn't yeah. matter. What matters is like what people want to see, like what drives ratings, what drives revenue. I don't know how people don't get that. Like when I see yeah. people complain about the WNBA versus the NBA and like the salary That's discrepancies. The I'm that like, how weird. how dumb are you? That's like me. I'm the CEO of Trippio, right? So that's like me saying that I should have the same salary as Mark Zuckerberg or Jeff Bezos because we're both CEOs. It's the most ridiculous, stupid argument well, I've ever heard. Or
0: even to compare it, like in, in if it's just going to be a sports comparison, you could compare it to like a Yelp or a, just like a variation of Google or something like that where yeah. it's like that's kind of the lane you're going into. And it's like, come on. Like how do they not understand basic – Capitalism, yeah, just it, it, it's bare bones.
1: It's like, oh, D- Tom Brady doesn't deserve it. J- Jalen Rose deserves it. No, he doesn't. Like, if Jalen Rose got replaced tomorrow, ninety percent of people that watch ESPN wouldn't even really notice or care. That's the truth. Yeah,
0: hundred yeah, percent.
1: But when Peyton Manning right. and Eli Manning are doing some little like brotherly yeah. sideshow right. for Monday Night Football, guess which one I watch more? That one. It's more fun. Yeah. They're like yeah. they're like mega stars that are like now just joking around and like talking and they're I just care more about them. They're superstars. I and mean, Tom Brady's even higher than they are. So anyway, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I totally get that. That but that analogy to parachute is <laughs> so good. And you're not wrong, parachute actually is a good band. Yeah. Um all right, so Trippio. Um I kind of want to add, like the genesis. This is a full, like it is launching, it is rolling, right?
1: It's it's so there's two aspects to the business. One aspect is the app itself, which helps people plan their travels better. So right now, if you're going on a trip, you've got Hotels.com or Airbnb to help you with your accommodations. You've got Kayak or Google Flights or whatever to help you with your um, flights. Um, But when it comes time to like know what to do when you get there, there's not really a great system. You're reading blogs, you're sifting through TripAdvisor garbage tours. Um, you're doing all sorts of asking friends on social media. Tripio will be like the one-stop shop. It'll be the hotels.com for what to do when you get there. It has nothing to do with hotels, meaning it'll just be that system where it goes and reads all of these different things and says, boom, this is what you want. Whoops, knocking my mic over. And so it hasn't launched yet. I'm launching it next week is the plan. Next week is the plan to oh, launch great. Tripio. Um, the second aspect of the business is the corporate retreats, the group trips. Um, I've done them. I've even done group weddings. Uh, my buddy jimmy rex who you know of course he has a coaching group i've taken them on a trip before so i do a lot of group trips through tripio but the main part of the business um what i spend the vast majority of my time and money and energy on is the app and that is launching hopefully next week that's the plan right now
0: that'll be exciting man seriously let it let me know when that happens i'm sure i will see it it everywhere but um And so were you able to combine kind of adventure hunt into this idea too? Because I know adventure hunt kind of became that corporate retreat. By the way, for those listening, adventure hunt was the Shark Tank idea that he had presented with his brother.
1: Yeah. So adventure hunt um, is scavenger hunts, treasure hunts. Um, We did a lot of corporate events through that, like scavenger hunts, treasure hunts. And so we had um, two different aspects of those. One was a public event where we – would bury a treasure chest with a bunch of cool sponsor gear in it. We'd create a website. We had a website uh, registration page on our website and people would go and pay registration fee. And then they would join up in teams, kind of like a traveling Tough Mudder or color run Saturday morning, you get your buddies together and you go out and you compete to win, you know, this, this treasure chest, which had a bunch of gear, a trip, and it did involve a trip. Uh, So we took a bunch of large groups on trips to Panama because they were the lead sponsor for, uh, you know, what people would win in the treasure chest. And so if you won in your city you'd all come together so we took groups of you know up to 50 60 people from all over the country to Panama together and it was amazing. We did end up doing a couple of corporate retreats um, but the the real meat and bones of the business uh, was always the treasure hunts and so we started doing those as well for corporate events companies would hire us to take their you know their employees out of the office for a day and do a fun activity or they do it as a marketing event. Gotcha. And then COVID rocked us pretty hard. We are still in business. It is still rolling. Uh, we've been working hard on some software to help people create their own and use our app and everything that way. And we do still occasionally do um, corporate retreats. We've done a couple of them, but uh, yeah. So I've you know got two companies that do corporate retreats, but one of them really does them. Trippio, and then the other one, it's like if other clients like continue to re up and ask us, then we do that. But we're trying to get to a point where Adventure Hunt is done entirely online by the user themselves.
0: Gotcha. So let's I kind of want to get into that a little bit, because obviously you kind of created the adventure hunt idea with your brother and Mm -hmm. then thought, hey, this could be a good idea. Like, let's pitch this to Shark Tank. Yep. Take me through that. Like, how did that whole process work out?
1: Yeah. So me and my brother, Jared, um, he's very talented entrepreneur himself, very smart, very creative. He's been a great partner. Um, He's got a YouTube channel, by the way. I'm going to plug him. Jared and Britt, it's just him and his wife, and they're doing really, really well. He's So he's kind of shifted his focus to his blog, or his vlog, um, mm-hmm. and I've shifted my focus to Trippio, and that's kind of how we've done things, and we both still put a couple hours into Adventure Hunt as needed, but that's kind of what we started to do during um, COVID. But anyway, so yeah, so we started Adventure Hunt as a marketing event for KZ, which was a sunglasses brand that we owned at the time, KZ Gear, and we had cool... Kind of a cool adventure vibe. And so we wanted to come up with a fun event that would get people to want to buy our sunglasses. And we came up with the idea for Adventure Hunt. So we went out and buried a bunch of treasure chests in 10 different cities around the country. And uh, we contacted some other companies that we had met at trade shows, uh, trying to sell our sunglasses, you know, at trade shows. And uh, we contacted them and said, hey, you want to throw some stuff into this treasure chest? And everyone agreed, you know, everyone was stoked on the idea. It was fun. And so now you've got like this set of clues and challenges that you're doing um, and it's all free. It was free to participate, but you had to own a pair of KZ shades, uh, you know, Smart. so like it wasn't totally free, but you got something if you paid. Like you, you just yeah. had to buy a pair of shades. So then in all your videos that you're posting to Instagram and tagging us in to show proof of completion of these challenges, you have to be wearing our shades. So like you have to be surfing with our shades on, do a cool hike, whatever. And were those
0: the shades that you could like, they were like interchangeable. Like they the were thing?
1: interchangeable. Our biggest ones were floatable. So they floated in water. So we had two That's different, smart. yeah, we had two different, we had three different lines. Uh, one was the floatable line. That was our, by far our most popular, most lucrative. The second most popular. And the one we started with was the interchangeable one. So you could take the side arms of the temples off and click them in and out with different colors or designs. It was kind of fun. Design, stuff like that. I actually think I owned a pair of those. Yeah, Cool.
0: I'm not even Thank sure you. how. Maybe I bought them directly from you guys. I don't even know. That's yeah. funny. That would have been before I knew you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So those were really fun. Um, and those were like, you know, $30 shades. The floatables were polarized. They were really nice. They were good looking. They were $50. And then we had ones just called the 44 collection and they were $44. And they were just like regular sunglasses. They didn't float. They didn't, um, have interchangeable sidearms but they were polarized they were nice we had different styles you know aviators a lot of i don't even know what you'd call the frame you know frame shapes on some of them but more feminine kind of frame shapes and so um and that was our least popular people really enjoyed our niche so we were hitting adventure stuff the most because of the floatables right you're paddle boarding you want to wear sunglasses you're in you know oftentimes i go into the water in the ocean and i want to wear my shades because there's so much you know there's so much glare and if i'm just going to be like kind of dorking around. I'm not like surfing or whatever. I just want to go lounge. I want to keep my shades on. But you know, you well, duck your head underwater. Boating is huge. Boating is a huge one. You know any yeah. pairs of sunglasses at the bottom of Lake Powell right now? Oh, um, sure. Enough so. to
0: do an adventure hunt for him, probably. <laughs> That's
1: right. Hey, and in a couple of years when it's all drained, we'll be able to go get them. There yeah. you go. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. But anyway, so it was a marketing event for KZ and it went so well that we were like, we should do this as its own business and charge people to participate. But before we do, before we like go all in on this, let's just test it in a handful of markets, and make sure we keep pushing KZ really hard. So we did that, and it went really, really well. So at that point, we were like, "Man, this is like more fun. Feels like it has more promise. Feels like it fits us better than this sunglasses brand. Let's see if we see if we can sell the sunglasses brand." So we sold KZ um, to a private equity group out of Cleveland, and we had tried to get on Shark Tank with KZ and come really close. We had made it down to like some of the final. You know, I don't know. We made it to through like two or three rounds. And so I think we were, I don't think we were at the final cuts, but like maybe you know, two before the final or one before the final cut. But we didn't make it on. So when we sell the business, we sell KZ, fast forward now a year and a half or two years, we're selling KZ. It was a it was a private equity group, 360 holdings, are called out of out of Cleveland. But nice. so um so we sell to them and we uh I post to my Instagram, just like, you know, happy moment in my life. Hey, I sold my business, you know, and I'm going to focus full time on this other one. You've been seeing me dabbling for the last year, Adventure Hunt. And the head of casting for Shark Tank literally just sent me a DM on Instagram and said, hey, congrats on selling your business. We'd love to have you on the show. You don't even have to audition this time. You don't even have to. What? Yeah. So I was like, perfect. We're in. Count us in. So because we had tried and failed with a different business and then sold that business, and this is the power of social media just posted it and literally a DM from the head of casting and we were on. So it's pretty, and there was
0: no relationship like the casting director wouldn't have remembered you from your other company. No, they had, they had that. That was
1: why she had, she had been following me since. So Ah, she said, congrats on selling. Yeah. She's like, congrats on selling KZ. Um, we'd love to, I, I really love adventure Hunt. it looks really fun. We'd love to have you on the show.
0: So you definitely so. proven your entrepreneurial chops at that point. And they, yeah. she takes note of that. Gotcha. Yeah,
1: And I think it was just a really unique idea that like they didn't sure. have very many sure. events. Sure. They're they're very product driven as you, if you've watched the show. And so to have an event, you know, segment was fun for them. So, yeah. And then it went really well. We filmed, it's been a few years now since we filmed, but it aired in uh, January of 2019. So about three years ago and um, it went really well. Like we were, it was, it was funny. Um, we got multiple offers. We ended up doing a deal with Robert Hershevik. And honestly, like, I don't think it could have gone any better. We had multiple producers tell us it was the best pitch they'd ever seen. It was the funniest. No it was way. the most entertaining. Yeah. Like several of them. There was articles wow. in Forbes and USA Today about us. Like, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. It was, I mean, it's been, like I said, it's been a few years now. So I try not to hang my hat on it too much, you know, but. Um, For sure. Yeah, 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 But it was. Well, but it a was cool a cool experience,
0: man. Yeah. Like, these, this is the first time I'm hearing most of this, honestly. Yeah. Um but I guess the, the burning question that everybody wants to know is, did you ever get that date with Bethany Frankel?
1: <laughs> I did not. I was tempted to. Me and my brother were talking about it that night. So she, she uh, you know, guest asked shark. me to, she was a guest shark and she asked me to, you know, get drinks after. She did? And she did. She did. <laughs> Wait, just you or you and Jared? Just me. And oh, no way. <laughs> I mean, Jared's, you know, Jared's married and. But I mean, it was like, she kind of was like throwing it in as part of her offer, you know? And it was well, like so it was that's
0: what I meant. Like, like if Jared got the offer too, then it would obviously be clearly like, oh, this is platonic. Like,
1: but- yeah, but she, she, she said it in a way and they cut this part out of her offer. But she, when she made her offer, I had been, I had been making the jokes about how we're both single and whatever, you know? Yeah. And she kind of made it tongue in cheek, but like. We all felt like, oh, that like felt a little bit more serious. Like she'd actually want to go get drinks after it. Like it felt very flirtatious. We talked. Me and Jared talked about it later that night, and I was like, should I like DM her or what should I do? <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: so what stopped you from DMing but her? Dude? We had,
1: we had done a deal with Robert, um, and I didn't want to like mess it up by like meeting up with a different shark the same day. You, know? you never like, know, that's a good point. Even if it was just like platonic, or even if it was totally not business related and it was a date. I just felt like, I don't know. I don't know if that's, you know, how amazing would it up. have
0: been though? If you and your brother make this awesome deal with Robert Herjavec, you are like, you know what? I want to get to know this Bethany Frankel chick, but by, by the way, who was a former desperate housewife. Is that how she's like famous and stuff? Is that what it is?
1: I think it was or real, no, real housewives, housewives of, of New York.
0: Housewives of New York. That's it. Yeah. yeah. There's and a then, difference then,
1: but she also started skinny brand, skinny girl. So I'm sure you've seen that they make all sorts of, I think they yeah, do a lot of like uh, you know healthy food. They also do like yeah. clothing. She's yeah, she's worth a lot of money. She's very entrepreneurial. Yeah.
0: She's very she's done very well for herself. But <laughs> you you make this awesome deal and it just gets torpedoed because you're like oh, I don't want to want to see what Bethany's up to. You <laughs> <laughs> know,
1: and who knows? Maybe day. it just would have been embarrassing anyway. She's like, oh dude, I was just like playing it up for the cameras. Like, no, we're not grabbing drinks. Yeah, I don't not know, but it, it felt little- it felt serious.
0: I would have loved to see the conversation totally turn to. Oh, I'm actually a Mormon and I don't drink, but I would love to get a soda with you. <laughs> She's just like, what I'll am have a virgin
1: pina colada. It's like the only drink any of us know. The only thing that would be acceptable, <laughs> exactly.
0: The only thing that would be acceptable there would be like she. The first thing would be like, oh, are you are you sober? And you're like, actually, yes. At this rate, about 38 years or whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was like, I think I was 30s. 30, yes, yeah,
0: 37
1: or something at the time.
0: 37. Yeah um So, what's it been like working with Robert? I mean, I, he's uh, he's got to be one of most people's like he's got to be one of the most popular sharks in my opinion, just because he seems so nice, yeah, and just like really guided by principles and everything. And also, not to mention, an extremely hard worker, probably yep. pretty demanding. I would also imagine you don't work with him a ton, but I'm just curious what yeah. any interaction you've had subsequently yeah. has been
1: like. Yeah, so we don't work directly with him a ton. We definitely have, uh even semi recently, just a few months ago, we were working pretty hard on trying to get adventure hunt to be like a new TV show. And we got really close actually with several networks and it still hasn't died entirely yet. Um, but he was a really integral part of that because he was going to put up a million dollar prize money. If we could get uh, Netflix or ABC or somebody to, to take the basically like an amazing race, but for families and it was a treasure hunt. Um, and it was, yeah, we got really, really close. So he was very integral with that. He's helped open some doors Uh, his team has always been readily available and helpful. Lately, we have not been pushing Adventure Hunt very hard, and so we haven't been reaching out to them as much or just interacting with them as much, but we do still occasionally exchange emails. In the early days, you know, before things started to slow down and I started to shift my focus to Trippio and Jared started to shift his focus to his vlog, we did interact with them almost weekly, I would say. Um, And they were always helpful with just advice and guidance and um, again, making some introductions here or there or opening doors where someone that wouldn't have talked to us prior, you know, now wants to talk to us because of Robert, you know, sometimes right. it was almost like it to our detriment, It almost felt like we were being used just by, you know, someone just attempting to get to Robert through us, you know? So I had ah, to like become, I had to become like point. this gatekeeper almost of that relationship. That was kind of annoying. There's been a few people oh, like ridiculous. ridiculous. Yeah. But I mean, overall, obviously it's been a, a fantastic experience. Like if any, if you can get on shark tank, I've heard some people act like you know, or say like, I don't know if it's worth it, and I'm like, no. Anyone that's saying that is probably just too scared to try, yeah, and they don't want to deal with failure. Like I would go on tomorrow if they would let me for Trippio. I already reached out and asked them if I could, and they said that they almost never have entrepreneurs on double dippers, double dippers, yeah. yeah. And so they said it'd be very, very unlikely, but maybe you know. So if you can get on Shark Tank, it's like it's an absolute no brainer. It's it's literally you know, like pushed. a we we got an eleven minute commercial like uninterrupted yeah. like 11 minute segment like it was phenomenal like you can't yeah, that
0: you... that actually has viewers we're not talking qvc here yes. by the way obviously that's Lori's thing and it's been amazing for her and all yeah. that it is lucrative but this is like an amped up version of that where you have five people with amazing reputations in the business world that are just like yeah getting anything yes. they can out of you
1: and millions of viewers, and it gets rerun all the time. Like, I was at the gym just a few months ago, and look up, and I'm on TV at the gym. <laughs> you know, it was a rerun. This happened literally like less than a year ago. And it gets rerun all the time on MSNBC, and I can't remember all the networks that they that they allow to syndicate, you know, Shark Tank out to. But the reruns are all the time. We've been mentioned on their social media multiple times, Shark Tank's and roberts twitter instagram websites blogs i've done multiple podcasts and blog interviews about it over the years and it just opens door after door after door i literally just put as seen on shark tank in an email like header you know like reaching out to somebody about a corporate event you know that we want to do for shark tank or through through for adventure hunt and an email that would normally go immediately deleted not read or opened now gets opened and responded to it just opens doors everywhere so there's no question If you can do it, you should do it.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, I I don't understand that concept. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? I mean-
1: People are scared. They're scared to fail. They're they're scared to be told. No, yeah.
0: If you've got something to hide, then obviously don't do it because that'll be exposed. There's no question. But (laughs) if you don't, like if you've done your due diligence and you're like, hey, like we really do have a great product and like great financials to boot, like then freaking do it if you can. I mean, the one I can think of Is the story of the dude, I mean, he's like super well known in the kind of in the vacation social media realm right now with his family. I can't remember the name of their account. I'm sure you know who they are, but it was the Garrett something. Garrett G. Garrett G. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. He, I mean, he goes on Shark Tank and he gets eviscerated. Yeah. Like, like they, they like hated his product. They're just like sitting there like, what's wrong with you, dude? Like, yeah, get the hell out of here. Like this, these things exist everywhere. Cause he like basically developed a type of like QR code scanner. It's a, yes, and they they existed in other places. Well, anyway, he ends up cutting a deal with Snapchat. Mm-hmm. After this, Snapchat buys his product, um, buys like gives him tons of like. I think he just took a bunch of shares in Snapchat and once it went public. Like the guys yeah. just living the life now, yep. and but then has leveraged that into kind of what you're talking about, which yep. is him just being out there and exposed. Like at yep. the very least, it means you're a risk taker, you believe in yourself, things like that. I don't yep. see why anyone wouldn't do it.
1: No, yeah, for sure. So it was good. It was a good experience.
0: Yeah, well, hey, man, let's uh, wrap it up here. I do have one random question for you. Let's hear it. I, I, not a lot of people are talking about it, at least openly, that I know of. I'm curious, and I know this is going to sound random to you specifically, but do you, think, do you think Trump will run again in 2024?
1: I don't know. I do follow that stuff. I uh, I like to stay in the loop enough with politics that I'm not like, you know, I think it's important to be informed. I think that's very important, and I think it's important to be informed, and form opinion, so I do follow but I'm not like a diehard politics guy. I don't know if Trump will run again. I, I'm i sure he'd, it's kind of interesting. Like he, he could almost do more damage to the Republican party than good because I think people would still be split on him. He's a very polarizing personality, you know? Um, yeah. So I don't know. Like there's a lot of like momentum building towards that. But in the end, I, I feel like he'd be better off probably just like endorsing somebody else. To like put I, all of the Republican votes towards one person instead of like you know, I
0: dividing. could not agree more. Yeah, I mean the guy's killing it in his endorsements. I don't know if you've heard that, but like for the primary elections going on, mm-hmm. at one point he was like twenty two for twenty two. Yeah. I think right now he's like thirty six for thirty eight or something like Jeez. that. Still really amazing, but yeah, um, yeah, I, I'm con- I'm with you, man. Like I like. If he ran again, it would just be like, ah, oh, crap. Like yeah. this is he's, we're gonna have to do with his divisiveness and all yeah. that stuff, and cross that bridge when we get to it. But
1: and there's you um, know there's a lot of like people out there that don't believe that Biden actually got eighty one million votes. I'm one of those people that don't think he legitimately got that. I won't get into all of that right now. I don't think he legitimately got that many votes. Maybe he got that many, but I'm sure a lot of votes were illegitimate. Um, but I do believe he got a ton of votes legitimately just because people hate trump you know
0: absolutely i think
1: there were millions of people that came out to vote against trump they don't even know what biden stood for or what he was doing and you're now seeing democrats everywhere like kind of going after biden making fun of biden it's becoming oh like you're seeing cnn and msnbc say negative things about him which is unheard of well, in so, the White
0: House tweet that we had that we were uh, oh graced gosh. with last week talking about like how all the stuff like the vaccines didn't exist before. It's like there's literally a picture of Biden getting vaccinated before <laughs> he,
1: he tweeted it. President. He yeah. tweeted it. It's
0: yeah. was like this is amazing. And they're talking about like how many people were jobless and everything. Yeah. And it was still in COVID and yeah. all that stuff. It's, uh, how many people have been hired since then? It was like, yeah, they got their jobs back. But yeah, anyway. um, that
1: said, Trump isn't very presidential. We got to admit that like he's just a. Crass, crude, he's not, but rude there was something guy.
0: refreshing about that to some degree. There was, right?
1: there was, yeah. but like when you get a guy, you know, up at a big rally and he's dropping F-bombs and stuff, which like I'm <laughs> seeing multiple clips of it, you know, it's just, I don't know. To me, that's just not presidential. And so For I think sure. he'd be better off, you know, what's the, um, what's the governor of Florida's name? I'm spacing it right now.
0: DeSantis. That's yeah, the guy Ron DeSantis. About. Ron
1: DeSantis. Yeah. A guy like that, like he's just, he's very Trump-esque in his policy, But he's so much more diplomatic and presidential in his delivery, you know?
0: He knows how to play the politics game way better.
1: Yeah. And so, and just be kind, you know, like, um, so don't get me wrong. I voted for Trump. I'm not afraid to admit that. I publicly endorsed him on my Instagram, which, you know, and that's why
0: I actually didn't have a problem bringing it up with you because you were actually very clear about that. I respected it a lot. You're like, hey, this is why I'm voting for Trump. This is how I feel. And I was just like, hey, good for you, man.
1: Well, did you see what happened? I don't know if you remember this, but this was like just a few nights before the election. And, you know, Instagram stories will show you how many views you have, mm-hmm. like, underneath each one. So if you have, like, multiple stories, you can tap and you can see, like, the number of views yeah, you have yeah, on a yeah. story. I had, like, a couple thousand on the one before my Trump endorsement and on the one after, but the Trump endorsement was, like, a hundred and something.
0: No way. Like, it
1: was the most obvious suppression
0: shadow ban thing
1: unbelievable stuff you know it, it did eventually catch up i don't know if they like i don't know what happened it i don't was... even know how that works
0: though because in order to see the one after it you have to go through exactly it,
1: exactly that's my point it, it's literally <laughs> impossible to have gone through it without seeing it unless instagram just said this one's not going to exist for people right now
0: Holy cow, man. And I mean, we're seeing it with Twitter now. And And I screenshotted
1: it and posted it to my Instagram. And after I screenshotted and posted it, which was hours later, then all of a sudden, the number of the uh, people that viewed the Trump one started to catch up. And I was like, this is, this is crazy. Like, go figure, man.
0: That is, that is nuts. Um, Social media is
1: interesting, dude. Like you work, you work to get, not that you work hard, but like there's, there's like a reward. There's some value in having a large following. Right. And my following on Instagram is pretty big. It's like 25,000 something. Yeah. And like, there's value there, but then like they shift these algorithms and they do whatever they want. And all of a sudden, you know, like m- m- me and my girlfriend have had little, uh, discussions lately where like, she won't even see my, my posts, my girlfriend, no way. like they don't pop up in her feed. Like they're like, I'm not deemed good enough for her feed, you know? And I'm just like, yeah, I'm, I'm like, how agree. is it that there's, I'm like, how is it that there's 2000 people that have liked this? And you're not one of them. <laughs> it was like a little <laughs> discussion we had, you know, is me Instagram's being
0: Instagram's algorithm is going to cause a breakup. Is was, that what we're hearing?
1: <laughs> no, but it was just me being petty. Um, but I was like, this is, but I, it really got me thinking about like social media. I'm like, this is so interesting. Like they really control everything, even though you have the followers and TikTok's another one, like TikTok. Speaking of my girlfriend, she has 200,000 followers on TikTok. She does. Yeah. Holy cow! Yeah, and some of her videos go gangbusters, right? That's how she has so many followers. She'll get millions of views, but others, it's like seven thousand people view it. And I'm like, how do you have two hundred thousand followers? One video gets eleven million views, and the next one gets seven thousand. Like, and it's because TikTok is all about the for you page. So anyway, I'm off on a total tangent right now, but the that's, social media is media, social media is just so powerful. But it's uh, yeah, it's just it's in the end like. They control it. They can change anything at any moment in time. YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. They change anything at any time. And all of a sudden, you've got to start over. Or like that social media platform just becomes obsolete, not cool. And now all of a sudden, you got to start it over again, you know?
0: Yeah, crazy, man. So anyway. going back to a couple of things, I'm a DeSantis guy. That's yep. who I've been hitching my wagon to. I think for all the reasons you stated, mm-hmm. one thing that I love that you did throw out there is that Biden did not get 81 legitimate votes. I know you didn't really want to get into this, but I will say... <laughs> It, I didn't really question the legitimacy for a while until I heard that the previous like three or four elections averaged around like 116 to 120 total between the two candidates. Mm-hmm. And then 2020 had like 160 plus. Yeah, And I'm like, there's no, I mean, yeah. you can hate the guy as much as you want. There's no way he's turning out, yep. you know, 25 million more people for that reason. I'm sorry, yeah. like that. And in specific pockets, that did all of a sudden have me being like, maybe there is something to it. I don't know, man. That's the only, that's the first time who
1: knows. And who knows? Like maybe because the mail-in ballots were out of control, right? And it was millions of mail-in ballots, all like heavily in favor of him. And it always just happened to be the exact number that was needed to push it over the top. So I don't know if it was like blatant, blatant cheating, lying, whatever, or if it was more like, Hey, we're going to go door to door. And like these massive apartment complexes and inner cities, And just get everybody to do their mail in ballot. We're going to do it for them. You know, we're going to have it ready for them, and just like that happens. Who knows? Who knows what it was? And I'm sure there's cheating on both sides. I don't want people to come after me and say whatever, but I just personally don't believe that Joe Biden got 81 million legitimate votes. I don't think there's 81 million. Like, where are all of these people now? Like, I don't see any support for him online anywhere ever. Like you just, you, dude, that's the thing. That's what's
0: funny. And you don't even see many Biden bumper stickers out there. No, you Seriously. see nothing.
1: You see nothing. You see no support form anywhere. So where are these 81 million people? Like, where are they? I don't know.
0: And that is fascinating. You just gave me the title for the podcast. Sean Bingham doesn't believe. eighty one <laughs> million votes. <for> <laughs> <laughs> that's all I brought you on for, man. In fact, I'm not, I'm going to cut like the first 25 minutes of this. Podcast. <laughs> nah, of course I'm messing. Thanks so much for coming on, dude. I love talking with you. Like, I actually would love to have you on more because I like just kind of the back and forth anyway. But uh, you're a busy man, so I'll maybe hit you up in a year again. But best of luck with everything, man. You've got a lot going on. It's awesome. It's awesome to see your growth. Like, And I didn't know about kind of the origin story of everything and how that all came out like it started – the sunglasses company and everything like that. That's really cool, man. Seriously. Yeah. So yeah, sky's thank you. sky's the limit for you, dude. And it'll be fun to see.
1: Thank you. Let's let's do it uh, sooner than a year after I get Trippio launched and going. I'm going to do a little soft launch here shortly. And then um, what I want to do, I need to like, you know, soft launches. go. You go a couple months and kind of like work out kinks and make sure that you're ready, you know, for like the masses. And and then you push big marketing dollars in that and hope that the masses come. But uh, when I get to that point, you know, in a few months, I'd love to come on again and, and plug it. <laughs>
0: Let's do it, man. Love it. All right, brother. Appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. Later. Okay. See ya. All right. So hope you all enjoyed that little conversation or whatever you want to call it. It's definitely not an interview. I mean, I kind of was, but it doesn't feel like one because Sean's a a buddy. He's a G. Uh, All right. As I had said earlier in the podcast, I wanted to address this kind of on the back end. And I think it's important. I think we're starting to see more and more of a pushback of this idea that like thoughts and prayers are bogus. They don't do anything. So let's talk about that. I think it was, I don't know, it was probably 2016, 2017. uh, Another terrible mass shooting somewhere. Always a huge tragedy. I, I get that. That's a whole other topic. I'm not getting into the debate of why those happen. But I do want to chime in on responses to that. I'm not saying that there doesn't need to be a physical response or a tangible action to take place in order to mitigate things from happening like this, these tragedies. But I would never, ever, ever say that we shouldn't take spiritual measures. In fact, I think in some ways those are the most important things we can do. Now granted, the, the law of the gospel and the laws of heaven require us to put action into what we want and our desires. So that does have a role, absolutely, but they have to work in tandem. It's not necessarily that you can really have one without the other. In fact, I think you do need both, but I don't think you can discount either. But what I find interesting is that, you know, this time that I was referencing back in 2016, 2017, I can't remember which shooting it was, which is also a sad commentary on that, but there was a friend of mine, somebody I knew personally who had posted on Twitter and he like he he claimed to be religious and everything. Um, I don't know the details of that. I don't know about what church, what his church affiliation was. Not that that really matters, but he did say it was important to him. Well, me and another friend who are both members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints knew him very well. We were all in the same program together. And we had kind of noted that what he had said was interesting. I think he posted it on Facebook where he's like, hey, we need to do something about this. Like, will you stop posting about thoughts and prayers? Your thoughts and prayers don't work. He's very stern and adamant about that, which I'm. I mean, he definitely wasn't directing it at us. And we did not feel that way. There's no way he did not look at us and say, this is you guys are the ones posting this and it's all nonsense and useless. No, of course not. He was he was a really nice guy. He is a nice guy. But I still kind of felt like, well, the, it is an overall kind of attack on religion and those that believe in kind of the, the, the spiritual components of of trying to help others which are important and are very real in my mind, and things that I've experienced firsthand. So I kind of thought about maybe what is the breakdown here? What's the foundation? Why is it that some people feel like thoughts and prayers don't do anything and furthermore feel the importance that they need to actually make that clear and known to everybody? Why do they get up in arms when religious people are offering that up in the first place? I mean, if it doesn't hurt anybody, why does it matter? Are they just saying... What are they saying? It's like, it's all hollow. It's meaningless. It's in vain. I think it's maybe because they actually don't understand what the purpose of prayer is. This is my opinion, obviously. Obviously. I think, you know, they think prayer might be meant to enact change. Like the idea is that we pray so that change will happen. But here's the thing. Prayer never, ever affected another person's individual agency, right? It's impossible. We can't do that. We cannot say a prayer that is a desire for somebody else to change. It just doesn't work that way. We've always known that. Prayer is meant to offer comfort and blessings to anyone who has need of such consolation from our Father in Heaven, right? And I promise you it comes. I've experienced it firsthand. I promise you the power of prayer is real. I have no question about that. I've experienced it firsthand for myself. I have prayed for others, and I've had those people express their gratitude because they felt like it really did make a change in their lives, the change that they were looking for. And I've had others tell me retroactively when they were praying for me that has brought me to tears because I didn't know what it was, but there was something that was keeping me tethered to some degree. And I knew in that moment that it had to have been their prayer or their prayers. I had no question in that moment. But furthermore... Prayer really is, it's meant to offer understanding and perspective, not to just those who are harmed, but to those who are offering the prayer. A lot of times that's why we pray, to maybe glean some understanding of what is happening in the world. I personally have prayed countless times to help me understand why some things take place that I'm really unable to understand or articulate. It's not a guarantee that this specific supplication will be answered, but there is a shift in perspective almost every time that there will be meaning that comes with miracles and tragedies alike. It's like, what is the meaning I have to get from this? And that's my prayer, right? That's what I ask for. And I'll tell you, nine times out of ten it comes, and it comes pretty soon. A lot of times I have to go into action and I have to be active about it. I have to say, all right, I have to start writing things down and kind of just putting my thoughts on paper. And then those, far, those thoughts start to articulate themselves and it starts to kind of like, turn into something where I'm like, that makes sense to me. That is a concept that resonates. So I don't appreciate it when people say my prayers aren't working. Because I know they are. That's not on them to decide. I think what they should do is try praying on their own before they tell me my prayers are useless. Because only I can answer that question. And I assure you, my prayers are not useless. I promise you that. So anyway, I wanted to share that sentiment, because I think that's important. I think that's something that we're seeing more and more, like I had said. And I also think there's an interesting parallel here. If you go to 3 Nephi, chapter 1, so right at the beginning, there's actually a moment there where there's kind of two groups that you see, because they're talking about the signs of the the coming of Christ, and they're saying, like, the Savior is going to be born. But what starts to happen is that there's the group that says, these signs are bogus, like, these signs aren't happening, and they're happy about it. It says that, 3 Nephi 1, 6. They began to rejoice over their brethren, saying, "The time is past. The words of Samuel are not fulfilled. Therefore, your joy and your faith concerning this thing hath been in vain." Which kind of sounds like those that are saying, "Your prayers are hollow. Your prayers are in vain, right?" And they actually were happy about it. They made up a great uproar throughout the land. But then the others began to be sorrowful, right? Obviously. But they and they still watched steadfastly for the day. They still held out hope. Those that believed the signs were going to come were still holding out hope. But then it even amped up. It was interesting. This is the part that I wanted to point out. I'm not saying that we're there because we're not. But you do see it in 3 Nephi 1. And I've heard some general authorities and some prophets say that if you want to know what the second coming is going to be like, read 3 Nephi. So that's interesting. Or maybe it's Helaman. But regardless, it's all kind of in the same timeline anyway. In verse 9, it says, Now it came to pass that there was a day set apart by the unbelievers, right? Those that didn't believe the signs were coming. That those who believe in those traditions should be put to death except the sign should come to pass, which was given by Samuel the prophet. Now, that's fascinating. Now, I'd imagine that the antithesis to that is not just as true, right? In other words, if the sign does come, then those that didn't believe should be put to death. But that would be equal, right? Obviously, the believers would never stump for that because it makes zero sense. But isn't it interesting to think that it amped up to that degree, That not only were they happy that the signs didn't come or didn't seem like they were going to come, they thought, you know what, furthermore, anybody that even believes in this should be put to death. I mean, that's like Christians being killed in in the Colosseum. And we're starting to see this persecution creep up, right? People saying your thoughts and prayers are bogus, they don't work. I mean, that's a form of persecution in a sense, right? I mean, it's not to the point where it really affects anybody, too much at least. But it's a form of it. And you kind of wonder, like, what is the highest degree that this can get to? So I don't know. I mean, that was just something that came to mind, and I wanted to share that. Now to wrap things up, because that was those are my only uh, thoughts when it comes to the idea of thoughts and prayers, right? Big believer in those. I'm actually teaching on spiritual momentum this week in Elder's Quorum coming up, so I've been prepping a lesson around that talk that President Nelson gave last general conference, I believe Sunday morning. Amazing talk. I loved it. I shared last week how he'd mentioned uh, one, of those, one of the five steps that he gave us to Established spiritual momentum. One of them was to seek and expect miracles. What I thought was cool is I actually turned on President Nelson's uh, devotional that he gave to the uh, young single adults last Sunday. I turned on his talk Monday morning and I was just wanting to see what he had to say. And one thing he said was, as you make your testimony your highest priority, watch for miracles to happen in your life. He said it again. And I think that's that's interesting. He's telling us, be in tune with the miracles. But then he also tells us how, and I think that's the important part, and that's the part that I'm trying to focus on the most right now in my life. And this is the quote I kind of want to end with. He said in that devotional as well, he said, I bless you to take charge of your own testimony, and I bless you to have the desire and strength to keep your covenants. As you do, I promise that you'll experience spiritual growth, freedom from fear, and a confidence that you can scarcely imagine now. You'll have the strength to have a positive influence far beyond your natural capacity. And I promise that your future will be more exhilarating than anything you can presently believe. That's an amazing promise. And he tells us how we can fulfill that promise. Have the desire and strength to keep your covenants. Now that starts with taking the sacrament, right? Being worthy to take the sacrament and taking the sacrament goes all the way up to having a Temple Recommend and being worthy to participate in the Temple. And on a personal level, that's something I've really, really, really been striving for. In fact, to be bold and open, I'm going to have my Temple Recommend back soon and I cannot be more excited about it because I plan on making it a priority to go to the Temple as much as is reasonably possible. Because I believe in these promises. I believe that President Nelson is a prophet and I believe that these promises are real and that once I get to that point, My freedom from fear and confidence that I can scarcely imagine now will grow through this spiritual growth and I'll have the strength to have a positive influence far beyond my natural capacity. I don't doubt it. And that my future will be exhilarating, more exhilarating than anything I can presently believe. I don't doubt it. I love y'all. Have a great week. This weekend is going to be great weather. Go out and do something fun. Enjoy it. Do something nice for somebody. Love y'all. See you next week. Everything's changing, my mind goes to a different time Oh love, I remember falling so madly There must have been magic in the valley And a rhythm in the night Cause I could almost see it Did you
1: fail? takes time.